Let's stand together and begin our time of worship together today. We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus save. Let's sing together. We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus save. Jesus save. Spread the tidings all around. Jesus save. Jesus save. up your name today and father we proclaim today that you are our savior and that you can save as we've just sung jesus saves father we're grateful those of us that have accepted you and you have come into our heart father we are blessed and we are blessed to be in this place today we pray as you look down in this place that you will be pleased with our worship today it's in your son's name we pray amen you may be seated like to welcome you to First Baptist this morning. If you're joining us online, we welcome you as well. And uh, we just like to say, if you are a guest of ours today, we are honored to have you in our worship service today. And uh, it's been a, a great hot week, if you like heat. And uh, so hopefully you're staying indoors in those really hot parts of the day. And uh, this too shall pass. So. Uh, uh, cooler weather is, is uh, you know, it's Texas, so uh, 
I, you know, we could, we could get two foot of snow like we did a couple of years ago here in a few months. Who knows? But uh, anyway, it's, it's uh, great to, uh, to be together this morning. And if you are a guest of ours, we would welcome uh, you to uh, fill out a card there in the pew pocket in front of you. If you're joining us online, you can go to our website, fbccana.org. Uh, let us know that you're visiting with us online today. You can also fill out prayer requests on those cards in the pew pocket and online as well. So thank you for being with us today. Uh, the choir has a, gr- a great song entitled God Leads Us Along that they'd like to share this morning. Sure. 
Amen, amen, and all God's people said. Let's stand together, continue that great singing. There shall be showers of blessing. There shall be showers of blessing. This is the promise of love. There shall be seasons refreshing. Send from the
floods of joy are my soul like the sea billows roll. Since Jesus came into my heart, I shall go there to dwell in that city I know. Since Jesus came into my heart, and I'm happy, so happy as onward I go. Since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, floods of joy o'er my soul like the sea billows roll. Since Jesus came into Amen. You may be seated. Well, I have a special song I'd like to do for you this morning. A few weeks ago, uh, Brother Danny preached. uh, And, you know, summertime is crazy. We had VBS and Pastor and his family were on vacation. I was out a few days. And so normally we get to sometimes um, I, you know, can find some songs that kind of go along with the theme of his message and we'll sing those songs. And so I had no idea that he was preaching, um, is it Matthew 14, is that 22, about Jesus walking on the water. And I was sitting over there and he started, he used the term water walking. You know, I'm one of those guys that, you know, songs really pop into my head during conversations. I don't know why. But uh, so when I was touring with Shiloh back in the day, uh, I wrote a few songs that we recorded, and and uh, this was one of them. And I was thinking, man, this would have been the perfect day uh, to do that song. And then the next Sunday, Brother Tim preached. And then I had no idea, and I don't think he did either, Brother Danny didn't, but he's kind of turned this into a mini-series uh, chapter 14 of Mark. And so uh, I didn't know the Sunday he came back, he was going to continue to preach on it. And there I am again, the next Sunday said, man, I could have done that song today. And so, and that was last week. And so this week we collaborated. He goes, well, I'm still, you know, kind of on that theme. And so anyway, I've said enough. Here's the song uh, that we recorded back in the day. It's called Water Walking. You listen. Feel your spirit nudging me out of my comfort zone Pushing me past the water's edge to leave this life I've known Called in my heart to follow you out where the waves touch the sea Far beyond the horizon, far beyond my wildest dreams Water walking, water walking I know my life to be with you out on the open sea, water walking, water walking, there's no other way that I'd rather reach the other side than water 
may chart the course before me over raging tides. Or you might lead through peaceful waters, make the storm subside. When I keep my eyes on you, I will not fear the window waves. I'm not sure where I'm going, but I'm sure that you can save water walking, water walking. I know my life was meant to be with you out on the open sea, water walking. Draw me deeper so I'll trust you even more. Water walking, water walking, water walking, water walking. I know my life was meant to be with you. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It's good to see you today. I praise God that we have a very, very gifted and talented music minister, aren't you? I praise God for Brother Steve. We finally got the song in there, brother. Good job. I'll preach weeks and weeks on this passage. We'll just sing the song over and over again. All right, there you go. All right, well, good morning to you. I'm so glad you're here today. Before I begin the message, I just want to make mention of several things. First, talking about just Steve's talent. But second, um, issuing our, our words of love and condolence. Brother Jeff is standing there in the back, and about 40 of us were able to be with he and his family yesterday as we celebrated his mother's life. Um, Jeff's mother passed away. I um, went to the glories of heaven this past week. And Jeff, I want you to know that we love you, brother, and that we're praying for you. Um, In addition, uh, we have big news over here. Brother Tim um, sets before us today as a married man, and we're excited about that. So, Tim, we we congratulate you and Brittany. I guess she's coming to church today, right? Okay, there you go. Very good. All right. Well, hey, thank you so much for being here. It is a wonderful day to be in God's house. We're celebrating big things that happened in this place last Sunday. And um, as Steve said earlier, if you're our guest today, thank you for being with us. If you're a longtime member, you know that we love you. And uh, we're just excited about God speaking to us this morning. And and I want to begin this way. I was recently reminded of one of the best books that I've ever read in my entire life. And that is a book written by Stephen Ambrose titled Undaunted Courage. Now, I'm showing you the cover of that book, at least a portion of it. I'm not sure what happened to that photo. 
Um, but nonetheless, um, when I go into my library and I see all the books that I've read and all the theology that I've, I've scoured, I'm always drawn back to this particular book because it really was just kind of eye-opening to me about heroism and what it took for us to find our way across um, these United States before it was even the United States. Um, Undaunted Courage is a book about Lewis and Clark's harrowing expedition as they documented and mapped the western United States. And though through two years, Lewis and Clark battled insurmountable odds, uh, the book talks about the, the fact that they faced hunger, they faced fatigue, they faced desertion by, by those that were with them that said, we've had enough, they faced hostile enemies, severe illness, and even death. And the story kind of goes to this crescendo where they finally arrive at the headwaters of the Missouri River. And their advance information that they had sent out ahead had led them to believe it was going to be only about a half day's portage to the Continental Divide. And once they reached that divide, they would then put their canoes in the Columbia River and then they would easily float downstream to the Pacific Ocean. And that was their ultimate goal. That's the way they thought this was about to go. In other words, they came to believe that the hard part of their journey was over, and now they were going to be heroes. But here's what really happened. You see, on that morning, Meriwether Lewis leaves the rest of his party. He climbs the bluff so he can see the other side, and there he expects to see the calm, flowing waters that will carry them the rest of the way to their destination. And imagine how he must have felt when he did not see those expected gentle sloping valleys, but he was the first non-Native American to lay his eyes on the Rocky Mountains. And you see, that question, that, that experience begs this question, what do you do when you think your, high, your biggest problems are behind you, only to find out that your highest peaks are still ahead? And that's a great question for us to consider, and I've always imagined and envisioned Meriwether Lewis telling everybody else to stay behind a little bit longer while he tries to figure out what in the world he's going to say. You see, what do you do when you think your biggest problems are behind you, only to find out your biggest troubles are dead ahead? Now, folks, that story and that question are going to propel us into our discussion today, and Brother Steve was exactly right. We are back in this little series, taking some time to really ponder the truths that come to us out of Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn there with me. Now, as you're turning there, remember that the title of this little series is Get Out of the Boat. And we've been talking about Peter's experience there on the Sea of Galilee. He had been called by Jesus to leave the boat, and he does exactly what God asked him to do. He does step out and walk on the water, so he's accepted the call. He stepped out. In other words, Peter is on his way to hero status. The hard part was behind him, right? He was mastering this water-walking business, and then it happened. Reality set in. Let's go ahead and stand together as we now read the passage this morning yet again and remind ourselves of the subject. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray, and when evening came, he was there alone. 
But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And then Peter got down out of the boat. He walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Let's be seated. I guess the way I'll begin is, yes, indeed, Peter was on his way, wasn't he? He was going to be a hero. The hardest part was behind him in the boat. He had stepped out onto the waves, but then reality sets in, and he realizes how bad this storm really is. And the text says it this way, he saw the wind. I'm intrigued by that. I'm intrigued in Peter's situation, but let me be honest today, I'm also intrigued in our situations. Because you see, the same thing happens to you, and the same thing happens to me. We decide that we're going to follow Jesus. We launch out into this great adventure. In the initial days, we're filled with hope and strength and joy and all that goes with it. We are out of the boat, walking on the water. We're on our way to achieving something worthwhile. But then reality sets in. And we see the wind. We face obstacles. Plans go awry. People that we thought we could trust let us down. Our emotions zig when they should have zagged. We think it's going to be a sloping meadow and it feels like the Rocky Mountains. So what happens then? Has it ever happened in your life? Have you walked through this experience that we're defining and studying like Peter? Were you resilient or were you defeated? Did you put your full dependence in God. Well, I began to think about scenarios like this, and what I discovered, and you'll agree with me, is these scenarios exist over and over and over again in the Bible. The Bible's full of these scenarios. It happened for Elijah after the Mount Carmel experience. It happened for Nehemiah as he rebuilt the temple. It happened for David. He survived Saul, but then there was Bathsheba, right? It happened for Peter on more than one occasion. But there was one story, I think, that rose above them all. It rises above them all in Scripture. It's a perfect fit to this scenario. It's the Old Testament story of a storm facer and a mountain climber whose name was Joseph. Now let's think about Joseph's story because it's worthwhile for us to blend and dovetail these together today. Joseph's story is a good news, bad news kind of deal. 
It's kind of like the joke I heard, the story of two baseball-loving friends who agree whichever one died first, they would come back and let the other one know if there was baseball in heaven. So the one dies, and yes, indeed, he comes back and contacts his friend. He says, hey, good news, there is baseball in heaven. The bad news, though, is that you're pitching on Friday. So good news, bad news, right? Now, life's kind of like that, and Joseph's story is, absolutely a good news, bad news kind of deal. Joseph is his daddy's favorite, the good news. But his brothers hate his guts, the bad news. His dad gives him a beautiful coat, good news. His brothers rip it off of him, cover it in blood, pretend he's dead, and sell him into slavery, folks. That's bad news. He lands in Potiphar's house as a servant. Hey, that's great news. Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him behind her husband's back. That's bad news. He resists her seductive advances. That's good news. But he ends up in prison. That's bad news. And in the end, Joseph ends up as the second in command in all of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. So you get the idea over and over again, these highs and lows happen in Joseph's life. He was up and then he was down and he saw the wind over and over and over and over again. He was penniless. He was powerless. He was friendless. He was homeless. And he learned what every single one of us has to learn sooner or later in life, that our hearts are revealed and our character is forged when life doesn't turn out the way we planned. You see, it's hard enough to get out of the boat when the wind is calm and the water's smooth. That's a challenge in and of itself. But it's really tough when it's rarely the case. And it is rarely the case. And the thing I want to see this morning is that Joseph was a resilient person. I want you to underline the word resilient. Because I really believe that's what this message is all about. Joseph was somebody who saw the Rockies, but he still chose to go forward. When he felt the wind, he still kept his eyes on God. Today, I want to talk about resilient people, about the traits of resilient people. Let's start with this one. Resilient people exercise control rather than passively resign. Now, I think that's what Joseph did. Let's go back to when he was first sold off into slavery. He was far from home. Let's think about it together. He was separated from his dad. He was betrayed by his brothers. He was surrounded by strangers. His robe was gone. But here's what the Bible says. Hear this. It still says the Lord was with Joseph. Now, folks, that changes everything. It doesn't matter what our situation is. If the Lord is with us, then that changes everything. Because now Joseph could face the Rockies. Now he knew the wind wasn't anything compared to the God that was holding him. You see, faith knows that with God we are never helpless victims. You see, you have to remember God is with you. Why? Because he is. He's with you, and it's your choice to put yourself in his hands. Otherwise, when life doesn't turn out the way you planned, all you're going to do is give up and quit. 
Let me give you some examples of how this sounds in real life, and I'm going to put these in quotes. These are things I have heard people say. First, parenting isn't what I expected it to be. Kids aren't just cute. They have attitudes. They're stressful. I'm just going to quit trying. Here's another one. Seeking to live on a budget and honor God with the tithes is just too hard. I'm going to spend what I want when I want. Another example. This job, this ministry, it's not what I dreamed of. I had planned on doing great things, playing on a bigger field, not having to be faithful in this situation. I think I'll just bail out. Somebody once asked a desert father named Anthony what a person had to do to please God. And here's what he said. Three answers. He said, always be aware of God's presence. Always obey God's word. And wherever you find yourself, do not easily leave. You see, leaving has a tendency to produce a pattern of giving up. But the other option, and we do have another option, the other option is to put your life in God's hands instead. Exercise control that is His and grow as a result. Resilient people exercise control rather than passively resigning or quitting. Let me give you a second trait of resilient people. Resilient people remain committed to their values even when they're tempted to compromise. Now, we know in Joseph's story this certainly happened. He was far from home, isolated from everything he had ever known. He was a slave, and that's when the temptation comes to him. While he's all by himself, it comes from Potiphar's wife. Now, she could have looked like Job of the Hutt for all I know. I, I really don't know, but the Bible says it was a temptation. Joseph could have given in. He could have blown it or blown with the wind. He could have said, hey, all my dreams have been taken away. My own life, my wife, my family, my property. Hey, I deserve to have a little happiness. But he said no. He had a loyalty to values, even though it meant more suffering. An example of this same kind of commitment to values comes from a man, we'll recognize his name, John McCain. John McCain was in the public spotlight of our country for years. Before he was ever a common name on the evening news or a senator or presidential candidate or all those things, if you know his story, you know before any of that, he was a POW from the Vietnam War. And the story tells us that John McCain went through excruciating torture, and his biography reveals he could, have been, he could have been released much sooner, but he refused to go unless his comrades, his fellow soldiers, were with him. You see, a loyalty to values, even though it means more suffering, is to be commended. And it's the trait of a resilient person. Even when they see the Rockies, even when they see the wind, they stay true to their convictions. A third trait. Resilient people find meaning and purpose in the storm. Now this one is a challenging one. This one is the hard one. Resilient people find meaning and purpose in the storm. I want to share with you some words penned by Viktor Frankl. Frankl survived the Nazi death camps of Auschwitz and Treblinka. So we know this man saw horror. 
but I want you to hear what he wrote. He said, we who lived in the concentration camps can all remember the men who walked through the barracks and the huts comforting others. The men who walked through giving away their last piece of bread. They may have been few in number, but they offer sufficient proof that everything can be taken away from a man but one thing, to choose one's attitude in their circumstance. The way in which a man accepts his suffering says a lot about him. It allows him to add deeper meaning to his life. You see, resilient people find purpose. And while I hate that Joseph had to go through everything that he did, there was purpose in it. And we see that, those of us who can read the whole story. You see, he went into slavery a spoiled, unappreciative, daddy's favorite little brat. And he came out realizing that God is enough when you lose everything that you have. He learned that his storm had purpose. So I want to ask you just a couple of things. Is your life where you think it ought to be? Some of us today will say yes. Some today will say no. Second question, have you stepped out of the boat to follow Jesus and face the storm that ensues? And then third, are you at a point following the Lord that you thought the hardest part was behind you and now you're realizing your greatest challenge is ahead. Now, whatever your answer, I just want to share this one thing with you. The Lord is with you. I want you to hear it again. The Lord is with you. I'm going to say it one more time. The Lord is with He's there in the darkness of the night and the winds and the waves. And I want you to hear me. He will never let you fall. So hold on to Jesus.